from the Finley Toyota Studio, it's Cofield and Company. You throw a gif on there? Oh, if I throw a gif? Like, that means something. I love bears doing human things. Right. I don't like bears being bears. Right. We're not going to do handwritten notes. God, no. Jesus. It's time for Cofield and Company with Steve Cofield on ESPN Las Vegas. All right, here we go on a Wednesday. Cofield and Company, Finley Toyota Studios, Ari, Adam Hill, Cofield as well, Justin Watkins, ESPN Las Vegas Legal Insider coming up in about 15 minutes. Lots on some uh, local neighborhood legal issues, other stories around Las Vegas, some hockey, some football talk as well. Very, very busy Wednesday. Let's get to it. It's the three on Cofield and Company. Right out of the gates, Adam Hill thought it was going to be a super quiet uh, UNLV running Rebel offseason. Aside from what they added, figured they weren't going to lose a whole lot from this team, except for the guys we knew, Mike Nuga. Royce Ham, Bryce Hamilton going off to the NBA or play pro basketball somewhere. But the last couple of days, we've had a couple of um, potential exits because, you know, you can go into the transfer portal. You can come back out if you want to. Uh, Donovan Williams announced yesterday their leading returning scorer that he would test the NBA draft process, but he is retaining his eligibility. He has two years of eligibility left. So his choices are stay in the draft, come back to UNLV or go somewhere else. Were you surprised by Donovan Williams and that news? Uh, maybe maybe a little bit, um, but I think it's you know it's it's one of those cases like we've seen you know many times of a guy potentially just testing the water, seeing where they stand, trying to get some feedback, and you have a lot of guys that do this, and especially now you can actually hire an agent and you know get that feedback and and work with them and potentially even figure out ways to make some money in college. Like there there's things that you can do now that are different than what you could just a couple of years ago. So um, I think that. You know, the, this is something that happens quite a bit, and I don't. I don't think you need to, you know, panic and overreact just yet. A lot of the guys are going to do this. Not not necessarily yeah. a lot of guys. You know, a lot of guys all around the country are going to do this. Yeah, David Roddy, Colorado State, announced that uh, he's going to be testing the draft waters. We talked to Nico Medved, the CSU coach, on Monday, so he seemed open to it. I mean, I don't think you're going to have a coach outside of a a jackass like Jim Beheim who's going <laughs> to freak out, and he he has. If people don't know that, he has on multiple occasions, and in fact, not only freaked out, but also smeared his guys like okay <laughs> thanks jimbo yeah thanks jimbo uh percentage that donovan williams is coming back what do you think um at least 50 okay i think it's a complete guess obviously nobody knows yeah yeah uh would you be surprised if unlv filled the spot before williams made a decision yeah, a little bit. I think. Well, I think that they're going to be in constant communication. I think, you know, while we're guessing, I think they probably have a better idea of where he stands and what he wants to do. And uh, I think they'll probably work with him throughout the process and uh, figure it out. I mean, that's part of what we were talking to Nico Medved about, right? Where, you know, you're going to have players that do this and uh, they're going to be guys that you really, really want to have back. And I think UNLV would probably enjoy having him back. So you're going to kind of work with him and not necessarily say, well, we're not going to recruit anybody in your place, but at least kind of, you know, know that there's options there. Uh, potentially how it happens, and if they get the sense from him that he's not, then I'm sure that they would, you know, figure out a way to 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 move on and find a find a guy for his role because they're going to need somebody in that role. Also in the portal, and I follow this uh, every day on multiple Twitter handles. At uh, verbal commits is a really good one as the number pushes past 800 players in the portal. But 
Trey Herbert, one of the backups who's been with UNLV for a couple of years, grad transfer, he's gotten into the portal. I saw one reaction from you know rando Twitter person, laugh out loud. You do realize that there is a place for many of these players to go play, and in the case of Trey, who has been a really good, important part of the practice team, which I don't know day-to-day that people understand what goes on in college basketball, <laughs> you have a scout team. And guys fill roles, and those guys who don't play a whole lot in games actually provide an important role behind the scenes. But anyway, he uh, you know he was a transfer in from I think it was what San Marcos. So good for him if he wants to go play somewhere, get some time, uh, you know, in his final year of eligibility. I'm rooting for him. I hope he lands somewhere and he gets some playing time. Definitely, that'd be a good deal. Uh, so we'll see if Donovan Williams is back here in like you know six weeks, two months. You know is back, Mark Bedane. Mark Bedane tied to a pretty interesting project. It appears Mark Bedane is part of a group that is ready to take on Anschutz and MGM and Bill Foley. There is yet another arena project. This uh, this one sounds like it's of a very big scale, Adam Hill, down by LV Boulevard and Blue Diamond, I guess on the northwest corner, where... They're looking to build a $3 billion project, which would be right there near a proposed idea for an MLS stadium and also near the Brightline train station, which is backed up by uh, at least one of the guys who owns the Milwaukee Bucks. Mark Bedane is part of this group. He's leading it, consulting on the arena project. Uh, He said, in the time I spent in Vegas, I've been overwhelmed by both the entrepreneurial spirit and willingness of its residents and leaders to embrace innovation and vision that that guides its future. This project represents the next step in that exciting evolution. How about a 20,000-seat arena, an MLS stadium, right near the train station, all there basically across from one of our outlet malls, right there between Warm Springs and... Blue Diamond slash Windmill. Interest you? Well, I mean, obviously very easy access for me. It's right by my house. It's <laughs> yes. cool. I'll yes. take it. Um, yes. I will say one thing I was talking about over the weekend with some friends uh, is we need more arenas here. Uh, don't have enough. Uh, I think this will be, what, number 16 of arenas that we have in Vegas. It's – look, it's it's – if we get the NBA, that's great. There's also going to be four NBA-ready arenas now. In town, right? I mean, this is insane that we're doing this. Um, who knows if it ever gets actually done? These things are announced a lot. Oh, plus we're getting a new stadium at the old site of the Ice Nightclub, right? Right next to, uh, uh, right not too far from where uh, the Virgin Hotel now is. <laughs> Over there, that's happening too. We saw uh, those rumors last night with the A's trying to build a stadium there. Um a lot of these things get announced and don't happen. Now, Mark Bedane being involved, I think, and some of the other people that are involved in this project make it much more realistic. Right? This, would, this would seem more realistic. And I, I think that the fascinating angle here is they, they're going to make a run at an NBA team. Well, you said all along, and a lot of people have believed this, that T-Mobile was really built for the NBA. Hockey came along. There was an opportunity, so you get hockey in here. NHL's been massively successful. Bill Foley owns 15% of the Fortress. So, Bedane going toe-to-toe, nose-to-nose with Bill Foley. Yeah, and, and for sure. And and like, like you 
reference. I mean, T-Mobile is ready for NBA. It's NBA ready. It's it's you know, it's not like they would have to make adjustments or adapt it. Like they were, they built it for both NBA and NHL. Uh, we also have. Don't forget the old Wet and Wild site. We're gonna have that arena, that NBA Ready Arena. That's gonna be done too, right? Uh, that'll be done very soon. Um, <laughs> and then we've got. You seem more than cynical about all of this. You don't. You believe this one is? You just lumping in with the rest of them? No, but I mean, it's there's all these different arenas that are gonna be around. Uh, who knows? This will eventually be a project of some sort. That's really valuable land. Uh, the the northwest corner that you're talking about of Las Vegas Boulevard and Blue Diamond, uh, it is, you know, with, with the train station potentially going there, if that does in fact happen, um, the MLS could go there, and as you talked about in that same kind of area, that corridor is going to be like just an extension of the resort corridor. We have now talks again, which it's been like, it's been like 10 years, maybe more than 10, it's been like 15 years since we heard this, but now we've got talks again of Airport 2. Coming in just south of my house, um, you know, kind of between uh, the M and Gene, putting another airport in. So, like, the extension of the resort corridor makes a lot of sense for those things to happen. So, if you put a, you know, new hotel casino with an NBA arena near an MLS stadium and all those things, like, all those things are great. And, and it's potentially, it potentially does make sense. I just think with all these different arenas that we have, like, an arena is not another – like, we already have an – want an NBA team? Good, we've got an arena for it already. But if, if that's what it takes to build a project around, okay. I mean, I'm, I'm here for it. I want the NBA to be here. All these things are great. It just seems like we're doing a lot of these buildings that, you know, you're going to start looking around like maybe like an Olympic city where you have like 30 venues and you're like, well, we can use four of them. <laughs> oh, like you're talking about like in, like in Greece, in, in, in Greece, or yeah. where they were building in uh, in Brazil, like in the middle of the jungle. There's a you know thirty five thousand seat soccer stadium yeah. just, just standing there. Yeah, I mean, eventually, we, we I was not being that I wasn't overshooting that much. I think if these projects are done, I think we'll have sixteen arenas of over what eight thousand. <laughs> There'll be a lot. That's There'll nuts. Lot. Yes, and and. Uh, you could be with all the projects. You could be pushing towards four or five that are above fifteen thousand, which is pretty crazy for a relatively small city in terms of the footprint. All right, on the way back, we're going to bring in Justin Watkins, our ESPN Las Vegas legal insider. Adam, what were you going to finish with? I was going to say, you really want me to start talking about something I don't know? Like, isn't that right in the flight path? How tall can this thing be? Like, the the planes fly <laughs> over there all day, every day. You can't have that tall of a hotel there. Adam will also get us an update on uh, the quarterback situation with. Derek Carr and his contract and the sweet spot. And uh, Josh McDaniels now talking about wanting to develop, develop a quarterback within the organization. Coming up next, ESPN Las Vegas legal analyst Justin Watkins joins Cofield and Company in studio to break down the biggest legal stories in the world of sports. You would pick Derek Carr I would. Russell Wilson? I would. Why? Are you sure you want to do yeah, this I just, again? I, I just, yes! It's Cofield and Company. It's certain things from a receiver standpoint that I like the quarterback. I like that you quarterback. Know what? You know what? Now, I appreciate the education. Floor is yours. Get, get, I, I want you to explain. The, the camera's right here. I want you to explain to a well, national well, well, audience start, how, you, how you talk about it. We. Oh, I, as a receiver, I would want Derek Carr over Russell Absolutely. Wilson. Oh, my Lord. Absolutely. Oh, my Lord. One of many quarterback conversations go back to September. Keyshawn and SAS arguing over Derek Carr versus Russell Wilson. Little did they know that eventually they'd be in the same division. And right now we're uh, staring down 
the barrel of a potential situation. Adam Hill, as we bring in Justin Watkins, our legal insider, but big local sports fan as well. Are we heading towards some problems here, Adam? As I saw the term sweet spot thrown out <laughs> by management on the Raiders. And I thought I, I thought I saw some maybe a tweet from Parr's agency. Was that fake? Did they respond to it at all? Yeah, Tim Younger, the agent, um, didn't seem to like the term sweet spot. <laughs> um, and you, I, I guess you can understand why. I mean, that makes it sound like they want, le- you know, if there were, it was market value, I'm sure Carr's agent would be like, that's great. A sweet spot sounds like it's not market value. It's somewhere lower than that. And they didn't seem to like that. But I think the team most likely assumed without getting any assurances that, okay, if you get everything you want, then you're going to take less money, right? And the car side was like, mm, we never said that. <laughs> so I, I think that there is probably a lot of work to do on this deal. doesn't mean it could get done tomorrow. Like it, yeah. it could get done very quickly. But it just means I think there's a lot more work to do than both sides probably assumed. Justin, what do you think of this situation? Yeah, I mean, <laughs> anytime you're in negotiating, uh, I don't think you want um, the other side coming out publicly um, indicating in any way – uh, a position that's going to sort of leverage um, any of, of your bargaining power. So, yeah, I get that the agent would push back. I certainly would push back, even if even if they are in agreement that there is going to be some sort of discount based on all the other moves that were being made. Um, until the ink's on there, I wouldn't want the team commenting, um, indicating that that's going to happen. So, yeah, I have no idea whether it's going to get done soon or not, but I certainly understand the agent's perspective here. You, I mean, this is something that you know people have to do in their own businesses, right? I mean, it's it's t- things that you, you know, sometimes you want to work something out with somebody, and you're like, okay, well, we're going to give you this, this, and this, so this will be easier. And then it's like, well, no, not not quite. And you have you have negotiations with, you know, different you know comp- insurance companies and things like that, right? Where it's kind of the same way, I would imagine. Yeah, you know, a lot of times, that's it, it, funny you say that because there's there's a lot of times in which. I know and the other side knows that the number that we're going to end up at and but it's for whatever reason we still have to do the dance <laughs> right like we still have to go I'm going this one and then you're coming that one we can see where the middle is going to be but we both are experienced enough to know that if I jump to the middle then and just say well why don't we just do this that that rarely works it should work all the time but it doesn't as so often, if you try to shortcut the negotiations and don't play the volleyball game, then you get hurt at the end because they're like, oh, you're at that number? Cool. Well, then just take a little bit less and we're all done. <laughs> and, and it's it's infuriating that we can't just cut to the chase most of the time. But, yeah, I deal with that every day. Justin Watkins is with us, our legal insider here on Cofield and Company on ESPN Las Vegas. Uh, some good stories to get through from a legal standpoint. I saw a picture up on the web. Um down at the D where they've got the Sigma Derby, you know, the horse racing game, old school. There's only so many of those machines around that actually work. And someone had a picture of the glass across the top of the horse game smashed. The person who smashed that, I'm sure, is on camera. How much trouble can they get in? Because I saw the question posed, not only should they pay for the glass, but if that machine is down for like six, seven, eight days, would they have to pay for all the uh, lost like average gaming revenue on the machine? The short answer is it depends. So first off, um, there, there could be criminal charges. I don't know. I know there's only a, a few of these in circulation, but I don't know if that means that these particular devices are expensive, 
Maybe there's a whole bunch out there, but they're just not being used. Maybe even the D's got a whole bunch in a room somewhere. That's important because uh, if they destroyed the property and it's not worth very much, well, then they'd be talking about a misdemeanor. If it is worth a lot, they could be talking about a felony. Uh, in regards to a claim for civil damages, of course, the repair or replacement cost of the, the device itself, assuming that there is sort of a repair or replacement possibility. And then secondarily, let's say that don't, there aren't, these aren't made anymore. There's no, they don't have access to any more and it's going to take three months for them to get this thing back up and running. Could you claim the lost profits from that time period? The answer is yes. All right. Someone could be in a lot of trouble. I mean, I assume the glass on top can be replaced pretty easily, but who the hell knows? Who knows? Um, all right, one of our favorite topics, Justin, is HOAs and what's legal and what's not. They seem to be, you know, their, their own governments. Rhodes Ranch, the story popped up on Fox 5 locally. Rhodes Ranch has installed a couple of speed cameras, and they'll be handing out their own speeding tickets, the legality of this. Um, li listen to this report again, courtesy of Fox 5, as they go through what the charges are for driving around the community and getting caught going above 25. I guess really it's in excess of like 32. This is the fine schedule. Fees go from $100 to $1,000 or higher if you're going double the speed limit for residents and guests. If your guest speeds, you have to pay their fine. Whoa, okay. <laughs> you're not only responsible for you, but your guests. They also did point out, because I'm sure Adam Hill's coming with this question, if you have delivery drivers dropping stuff off at your house, you're not responsible for them driving like jabronis. What is the legality of an HOA now handing out its own speeding tickets and then trying to collect money it's perfectly legal i mean you got to remember that the way that the western united states uh, decided to run local governments is rather than having local township boards like i'm sure is the case where you grew up in new jersey i'm sure there is a local township board that addresses the issues of the smaller neighborhoods um, they didn't do that out West. What they did is they they decided to empower big developers to make these big neighborhoods to have their own control over those neighborhoods until they decided to turn them over um, based on a certain number of threshold of completion of the project to the homeowners themselves. And the homeowners get to dictate their own, well, I'll say in theory, get to dictate their own local rules. Now, uh, those rules can go pretty extreme and in this case it's saying you're going to be fine for speeding and assuming they went through all the proper protocols of noticing this and going to the hoa board meeting and having 15 people show up talk about it ignore them do whatever they want wait for the next election and win the election it's perfectly legal um i mean obviously they don't have the right to detain anybody <laughs> they don't have the right to you know uh create any sort of criminal complaint they don't have any of those rights and uh, they have a right to find their homeowners they don't have a right to find me right i don't live there um they could they could certainly uh 86 me from the property it's all private residents right they, they could do that but they can't find me uh they don't have any jurisdiction over me they only have jurisdiction over the homeowners who who live there so it's it's legal um and I have to imagine, I mean, I, I am not a fan of HOAs, <laughs> and that's evident in my time in serving in Carson City. 
Um, I had a big target on my back from the HOAs because I went after their their procedures on this kind of stuff. But I have to imagine in this instance and knowing that neighborhood that it must be pretty bad because number one, their roadways are, are r- real nice and wide and go throughout the whole neighborhood there. But all the kids that go to school there all walk out to these you know, big bus stops. There's tons of kids in those neighborhoods and you can go real fast on those neighborhoods, even over the little speed bumps. So I, I have to imagine this was sort of the measure of last resort. So I guess a couple of things that just popped into my head. One, like how, how, what could they do if you eventually didn't, I mean, it could get to the level where they could say you have to, you have to leave even if you own property, if you got, if your guest got like a hundred tickets and wouldn't a guest know, like if you got a fight with somebody, like I'm going a hundred miles an hour out of there and saying you're paying the ticket. Yeah. Well, yeah, that's I mean, one. you're yeah, responsible. You're responsible for your guests, right? That's that. Ooh. That's going to be the case anyway, right? And so, uh, I mean, where what is the ultimate punishment in the state of Nevada? We've given HOAs the right to auction a house. Wow, to foreclose on a house, which I think is inappropriate. I, I challenged it in 2017. It's been challenged in you know 2019. It comes up every legislative session, and the HOA lobby is super strong, uh, and and they win this issue every time. I don't think that they should have the power to foreclose on a home due to HOA fines not being paid. They should have a lien against the home for when the home is sold, they do get paid out. That's just like what happens with Republic Services, with our trash, our water, our sewer, you can't foreclose for failure to make those payments, but they can lien your property. And if you ever do sell or try to refinance and take money out, they have to be paid. So eventually they'll get paid, but they don't get to force the payment through foreclosure. HOAs can. Wow. Uh, here's a resident, again, courtesy of Fox 5, reacting to the uh, notion that your guest could actually get you in trouble. So we're all pretty much on pins and needles. We've gotten to a point now where we're having to communicate to our guests prior to about the speed limit, stop signs. Um, this feels as though it's complete overreach. Many of us to not want to have guests over because of the excessive fines. We did feel as though, again, our input was not taken into consideration. Could have implemented several stop signs. There are speed bumps. All right, so Justin's suggesting maybe uh, this is last resort. Um, the, uh, the, the guest thing fascinates me. Uh, one, I, I, how would they actually track who your guests are? Oh, well, you call them in, right? The, yeah, so you, Rhodes, oh, you Rhodes Ranch is guard-gated, right? So everybody's got an ID. They've yeah. got your license plate. You have to be let in by the guest. And you know what's funny is, I, and we've never talked about this on air, but off air we have, you know, um, right literally – Two days after lockdown, I was set to close on escrow in a house, and, and I backed out based on lockdown, and, and it was a really good thing for a number of different reasons, despite the fact that the market went way up. I was um, in the due diligence period on a different house a couple years later, so about a year ago, and it was in this really nice neighborhood um, up in parts of Henderson and guard-gated. And when I got those HOA documents, I was like, you've got to be kidding me. Like, <laughs> no, like they could fine you for cussing. Um, what? If, if you hear of somebody cussing, you are to report it. If you fail oh to report God. it, you could be fine. Yeah. 
Right? What's a and, curse? Do they, do they have this is yeah. like a George Carlin list of seven dirty words? <laughs> well, no, it was much broader than that, too. Right? It was they like I'm out on the street and and the, yeah, you know, the S, the SO yells at me, stop bitching and moaning. Whoa, whoa, yeah. whoa, whoa, whoa. Yep. Yeah. Can't use the B word. Yeah, but I didn't use it that way. That's you know, and we're uh, we're not a jury executioner, HOA. So yeah, you know, you know now though, like I so I backed out of that. Wow. I ended up buying some raw land and I'm building I'm well. I haven't started, but I'm in the design of building a house that's in a non-HOA neighborhood that is held together pretty good um, because, you know what, I'm just done, I'm done with HOAs. I'm done with, you know, the couple of people who are super into this stuff and read <laughs> yep. all the little codes and all that stuff determining the fate of everybody else. 90% of people don't participate in this stuff. They don't care about this stuff. They don't want to know about this stuff. Uh, and, you know, these few you know, go getters are, are really making it a tough place to live. At least for me, it felt tough to live. Oh, I, I totally agree. Well, that, that's, uh, I guess I'd have to think around, uh, think about workarounds on the, the IDing the guests. Cause I was, I was actually thinking to turn it back on like the HOA board and just driving in the neighborhood, claiming to be their guest and just park in front of their house and just leave every day. <laughs> You're like, Hey, guest, we don't know who the guest is. The car's always in front of your house though. You're responsible for it. So well, I, I've I've uh, similarly thought uh, we get, you know, our HOA notifications when we don't change. Like literally, I got one right now for my address light bulb. Right. Like immediately get it. If the light bulb's out, you know, the address light bulb is out. OK. And then like it's five days later. Hey, have you replaced that? Right. And I'm like, there's a street light right outside my house. That's a part of the neighborhood that somebody knocked down in their car two and a half years ago. And all you did was stub it out. Like there's no, there's no light. There's the concrete's still all broken. But you're gonna bust my chops about five days of a address light bulb? Come on! It, like the double standard is crazy. If uh, if you want to watch a, a documentary on how out of control this can get, and I know you guys won't watch it, but uh, there's a documentary called "Twas the Fight Before Christmas." It is insane. A guy moves into a neighborhood and wants to do like. Um, you know, Christmas vacation light display on his house. <laughs> and it just turns into like, it, I can't even describe how crazy it got like between, you know, between law enforcement coming in and death threats and, and the guy was super litigious and, and an attorney. And he just, he just got his jollies off of this. It's uh, it's crazy. That's actually on uh, Apple TV. All right, let's take a quick time out. Reset here. Justin Watkins is in uh, battleborn injury lawyers. Five, seven, Oh, 9,000 is a number on the way back. Let's get to uh, the latest on the uh, Chell Sonnen attack slash fight and then we uh, also have to get to i swear there is conversation around chris rock and jada pinkett and will smith hippo violation here we go with hippo again call battleborn injury lawyers 702-570-9000 with your questions today it's time for ESPN Las Vegas legal insider Justin Watkins to lay down the law. Only on Cofield and Company. All right, coming out of the gate for some quality. Talk about the HOAs. Wow, okay. The cussing one, that was a good one. That You're not allowed to cuss in the neighborhood. <laughs> Justin Watkins is like, that's too important to myself and my kids. Uh, we, can't be, we can't be policed by the neighborhood that's and right. their uh, intense standards. All right, Adam. Get the audience updated, and, and Justin, on a story we talked about last week with Chael Sonnen, the former UFC fighter, announcer uh, around MMA on ESPN. There was some kind of brawl at the Four Seasons, 
back in December, and this thing has gone back and forth. And I thought I saw a story last week that told a completely different version of the story and really made Sonnen look like he just outright attacked, unprovoked, this couple. So where are we now? So, yeah, that, that was it was a story that came out in December uh, that Chael Sonnen had beat up a bunch of people at the Four Seasons. That came out. Then some MMA people, including Brendan Chubb, a podcaster who has a pretty big following, went on and said, here's what actually happened. Chael Sonnen's wife was attacked and groped and harassed, and he hit a bunch of people for doing it, and you know he should be applauded for what he did. And everybody just kind of accepted that because the charges were pretty quickly dropped. Now, a civil suit came out just a few days ago, and as, as Steve mentioned, painted a very, very different picture of what went on at that hotel, um, including Chael Sonnen being unintelligible, uh, allegedly intoxicated or apparently intoxicated. Um, he had said before it was about defending his wife. In the case, she was sleeping and, according to police, injured huh. during this whole thing, but didn't say where she got injured from, uh, that Chael Sonnen had hit a bunch of people in the hallway, uh, including choking this this doctor, or I guess he's a dentist from San Luis Obispo, I think he's from, um, and his wife punched her through her against the light fixture as well. Uh, charges were refiled, including one felony. Now today, Chael Sonnen was in court, and one of the felony went away. I think it, it was amended to six misdemeanor charges instead of 10 plus one felony. So that's where we stand right now, six misdemeanor charges. Uh, there's been a lot that has come out about this, Justin, but not a whole lot of, I guess, details that we know for sure. We finally see the police report now. Um, and I, I guess why do, why are there so many changes in how somebody's charged over time where it's dropped, then it's refiled, and then it's amended? Why do those things happen? <laughs> I mean, I'll try, I'll try to be careful here. I think it has to do with the quality of defense counsel. Okay. Uh, that's the best way I could say it. I mean, if some, it's 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 a little shocking to me that somebody can go on a sort of rampage through a casino here, you know, affect so many different people. Now that now, the allegation is the charges were amended down to misdemeanor because of the severity of the injury suffered, and that is. That's correct. That's a stat that that is a threshold for felony versus misdemeanor, depending on how severe the 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 injuries are that are suffered. Uh, but the the odd part about that is, is both of these uh, this couple from San Luis Obispo are still under medical care. So I, it doesn't sound like they've been communicated with. They were told that it was going to be a felony. Then the charges were dropped. They filed a lawsuit, and then there's kind of, I think, a little egg on the face <laughs> of the DA's office, if if you're asking me, because I'm sure that all of this stuff's on video, or most of it's on video. So it's going to come out. We're going to see the video, and I think there's going to some people are going to have to answer some questions. Either this couple and their attorney as to like nothing actually happened or the DA's office about why in the world would you allow somebody who acted this way? Why would you ever drop all the charges? Especially when you got like a man hitting women hmm. and security officer. One of them was a security officer at the hotel, yeah. you know? Uh, and then on top of it, I think no matter what, 
there needs to be some questions around the investigation from Metro because when I read it, it sort of seems to insinuate that maybe Shell Sonnen beat up his wife. Yeah. At least leaves that possibility open. I'll well, say well, that. I'll, I'll be I'll be clear about it that it said in the original story that again he didn't give the story he passed it on to somebody else to put out there that it was his wife being attacked and groped and harassed mm -hmm. and he stuck up for her. In the police report, it says that they arrived. He was intoxicated. They were kicking him out, and in the process of kicking him out, they went to his room. She was sleeping. They asked her what she knew, and she said, I took an Ambien three hours ago. I've been passed out. She was apparently from visual inspection injured, and she said it wasn't him, so they just kind of moved on from it. But that, yes, that the original story obviously wasn't true, that Chell Sonnen had his people put out there, but also that she was somehow injured, and they didn't really follow up on why. Right, exactly. So, oh, you weren't injured from him, and you were on Ambient, and you don't really know what happened? Oh, cool. All right, we'll, we'll call to it see a day here. then. Nothing to see here. It's disappointing. It's disappointing. Like I, I and I'm surprised. I'm surprised. You know that this wasn't pressed harder from the resort perspective of things. If their security is getting assaulted, usually that gets escalated pretty high up. And I would be surprised if they would have been okay with like, oh yeah, whatever. We we're, we're not going to pursue it. Now, I mean, I guess the only other thing I can think of in that regard is, you know, four seasons being attached to the Mandalay where there's a lot of UFC events. You know, maybe they just thought it was better business to let things, you know, let things mm -hmm. sort of flow and, and, and not raise a stink about it. I don't know what their internal discussion was in that regard. But when I look at the police report, when I look at the, the lawsuit, um, you know, Somebody's got to answer some questions because things don't add up. Let's address one of the hottest stories of the week. Chris Rock smacked in the face by <laughs> Will Smith. couple angles on this. First of all, um, yeah, as it turns out, Jada Pinkett's got a, an issue with her hair. She's got alopecia. I've seen multiple Twitter attorneys uh, uh, claiming that somehow Chris Rock violated HIPAA. <laughs> Chris Rock's not even subject to HIPAA, right? <laughs> right. So, the people who are subject to HIPAA are your medical care providers or anybody who's working or contracted for them. Meaning, like your medical care provider, your your primary care doctor, or your hospital, and like if they have a tech team, which they do, right, who comes in and services their computers and all that. Well, they're subject to HIPAA too, even though they're not your medical provider. They have access to your medical provider's data. They have to be, um, they have to protect your your information as well who's not subject to HIPAA is basically anybody else in the world. <laughs> so, <laughs> well, he, and Justin, he never said anything about a medical condition. Hey, but Justin, wouldn't it, doesn't it erase it anyway that she's spoken about it publicly? Like what, doesn't That's, it just go out the window? Yep. And that was my second point is that she, she's the one who came out and explained the medical condition that, that gets to, that results in her being bald to which, I mean, I hate that we're even talking about this. As soon as it happened, I was like, oh, my gosh, there's going to be so many takes on this. Like, I already I'm already tired of hearing it. And it hadn't even I hadn't even heard any takes yet. But uh, the takes I did see is a bunch of people with alopecia challenging whether or not she really has it. Whoa. Based on based on, I guess, how you could see the stubbles of hair. I don't know anything about alopecia. Really? But 
I mean, you know, maybe I was way too deep in the dark hole of yeah. Twitter at that point. I don't yeah. know. But there's so many different takes on it. But the bottom line is, yes, Adam, you're 100% right, is even if Chris Rock was subject to HIPAA, which he clearly isn't, the minute that she discloses to the world her medical condition, then they're free to go. You know, it, it, there's no damages associated with the breach. Now, if her doctor were to come out without her permission and say, yep, uh, she doesn't actually have alopecia, she's got this, or confirms that she's got alopecia uh, and she didn't give that permission, there could be statutory damages. I believe the federal law is $1,000 per offense. Damn. Well, the Will Smith defense has been used by a uh, an attorney already. A Virginia defense attorney tried to use the Will Smith defense, basically snapping, and that at that point you're not responsible for your actions. This was during a murder trial. Uh, he told the jurors, this uh, Dirk Paget, that uh, things you wouldn't ordinarily do, like Will Smith. I bet he wishes he could take it back, but he can't. You can't unbreak a stick. He said that uh, Smith snapped during the Oscars. This uh, this didn't work. Didn't work. <laughs> no. Shocker. And, I mean, I, I I don't know. Maybe you guys have been talking about this longer than me, but, uh, but I, I have to imagine that most of the public is not on Will Smith's side here. Um, so it would seem like an odd analogy to make to your criminal defendant client. Um, um, it, I was just public. shocked. Justin, I, not to cut you off. Sorry. I was just yeah. shocked because I just saw a headline uh, from, I think it was the New York Post, that said most Americans blame Chris Rock. That's ridiculous. Oh, gosh, yeah. that's that's crazy. Anyway, so but 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 the true the you know the OG Will Smith defense is two things: either temporary sanity or crimes of passion, right? Um, and in neither of these instances do I think that this would arise to that level. Um, and certainly, I, I don't know what happened in that criminal case. But for crimes of passion, you can actually get reduced charges put against you. And what what does that look like? That looks like something like the the textbook example is walking in on your significant other in bed with somebody else, and you and you snap right there. You lose it. You beat the crap out of them, or you you murder them. Um, in those instances. It is rarely, if ever, charged as first-degree murder because there's no premeditation, right? And and it happened. And and what the law has recognized is in those extreme situations of passion like that, that there is a situation in which people kind of lose their faculties. But that doesn't mean they get off. It means it goes to second-degree murder, and you're still going to jail. Coming up, Justin Watkins closes out with a couple of uh, stories that are of uh, local interest. 5709000 is the number of Battleborn Injury Lawyers. Uh, well, it's, it's it's of my interest. HOV lanes, HOV lanes. Uh, Adam's paper just had another story on the HOV lanes. Maybe something could change in the future. Very exciting. Call Battleborn Injury Lawyers, 702-570-9000 with your questions today. It's time for ESPN Las Vegas legal insider Justin Watkins to present the facts only on Cofield and Company. Going on with Justin Watkins. Justin, we appreciate you spending all this uh, time with us today. 5709000 is the number for Battleborn Injury Lawyers. Um, 
You fired up for the game tonight? I mean, this is <laughs> this is go time. <laughs> you got a little break in the schedule here, but that doesn't mean that the Knights have any margin for error. They got a freaking win. Uh, yeah, I agree. I mean, I I ultimately I, I think I think it's more likely than not that they miss the playoffs. Whoa! Um, I, I but they do, but. The, the reason for hope is they certainly do have the easiest schedule down the stretch of all the contending teams. No doubt about that. But the flip side of that argument is they just had a super easy road schedule and they blew it. <laughs> they didn't get a single point out of it. So they they don't have a great track record of, <laughs> of beating bad teams on the road. And they need to do it three times in a row here. It, the, team, the teams are right to do it. Um, and hopefully... You know, it sounds like we'll have McNabb back. Um, Martinez, obviously, every game he plays, hopefully he gets his legs under him. It's going to probably take a little bit of a while. But the defense has really been what I think has lost us most games, despite the two shutouts we did have on the road. Um, I, I think I think a lot of what's happened to the offense is compensation for the civ of a defense that we've had all season. So there is reason to hope. But if I was putting... My odds on it, I'm like, I got like 30 or 40%. percent 43.8% right now. Oh, yeah? Who's uh, that? That's, uh, that's the Money Puck playoff projection. Okay. 43.8%. The, the real question I have is there's a big matchup tonight that doesn't involve the Golden Knights. Kings versus Oilers. Got to go Kings. You're cheering for the Kings? I think you got to go Kings because the Oilers have an actually – quite a tough schedule they do the rest of the way while the kings basically have the same sort of schedule that the knights do it's way easier um and, and well of course they're closer to edmonton edmonton's got a game in hand but I'll, I'll take the lower points in the game in hand and hope for losses right and so they la and edmonton play twice in the next eight days so i think i got i think i got to pull for the kings even though currently Edmonton seems to be playing a little bit better. Um, yeah. I think both teams have the potential for collapse in them, though. I mean, we know that from Edmonton. What they lose nine in a row earlier this yeah. year? Well, all, all you want is whoever wins tonight to win the next one, and neither game to go to overtime. That's right. Yeah, that, that's what you're hoping for. Somebody sweep those two games, don't go to overtime, so nobody gets that second point, that you know, that one point, and and then you know that's the team that you're chasing. Yeah. Oh, I mean, I'm all I'm all in on scoreboard watching. I was watching the Dallas Anaheim game last <laughs> night. Didn't go well. That, and, well, and Anaheim was up two to one, but I was watching that game and I'm like, it should be eight to two Dallas. Like Gibson played out of his mind and Dallas was all over him the whole game. And so when Dallas, you know, scored two in the third to take the lead, I was like, yeah, that, no chance. <laughs> Anaheim seems, you know, they're, they're for golf season. <laughs> Justin, let's close on this. Uh, more looks at the HOV lanes that were uh, put in around Las Vegas, but especially around the uh, new Spaghetti Bowl. And I saw Stavros Anthony, uh, you know, is doubling and tripling down. He's not a fan of it, especially the 24-hour regulations enforcement of it. And tickets actually went down, even though it seems like more single people or single drivers are driving in the HOV lane. So when do we get some resolution here? What are we looking at? A couple of years where uh, – we get some kind of change or never? Yeah, a couple of years, right? What they've, what they've said is that they've, they've commissioned a study to see about the usage and, and sort of best times, if ever, to change it from 24-hour enforcement. But they suspended the study during COVID because there was nobody on the roads. 
So the study itself is an 18-month study. Oh, boy. Um, but I drive that 15 to the spaghetti bowl from Southern Highlands, 15 to the spaghetti, spaghetti bowl two or three times a week in the morning at about 6.30. And if it's at 6 o'clock, no problem. If it's at 6.30, everybody thinks there's going to be no problem, but then they realize that there is a problem <laughs> as you get to about Flamingo, Spring, Spring Mountain area. And I'm just going to tell you, there's no that all the cars jump over the line and none of them have two people in it there there is just like this understanding at 6 30 people are going to use that lane and and there's i've never seen anybody get pulled over for it free for all yeah well i think, I, they'll, I, change, I, I, I think they'll change I, it i mean it was federally funded they had to yeah. do an hov lane they had to keep it up for at least two years uh, you know, an 18-month study seems a little excessive to me. You know, it seems like we could, probably could have got it done in 12 months. But, okay, um, I think they will change it to rush hours that the HOV lane is is utilized and the rest of the time it's just another lane. Um, that would make sense to me. Well, what they could do is a study on the safety now in and around the Spaghetti Bowl. And I swear uh, going north towards the Spaghetti Bowl in the 15 or coming out south, of the spaghetti bowl and then all the entrances from Charleston, it's less safe than it ever has been. It just is. The, the trucks are all crunched to one side. It's going north is just lunacy. It, it, it just it's crazy to try to get over and back and forth, moving left to right. You got no shot. Yeah, I, I actually think that before it was worse. Before Project Neon, I actually feel like it was worse. Me too. I, I think Project Neon was fantastic. Like the 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 even in the worst hours of the day spaghetti bowl gridlock is like a fraction of what it used to be yeah. and where, where it was heading um but i think what if we're going to talk about enforcement and we want to fix the traffic on the freeways we have got to pull over the truckers that are in the fast lane it's illegal and the cops drive right by them every morning oh the there far are, left lane the far left lane next to the hov lane they're not supposed to be in there no they're in there every day. This is every crazy. Day. They're in every lane. That's the problem. They're Four literally in every lane, and they're all going the same speed. Yep. It's crazy. It drives that. That's the one thing where my inner Steve Cofield comes out. Where I'm like, <laughs> Good. get out of the lane. This isn't for you. It's illegal. And then I just watch the. You know, if a trooper's yep. around, no, never seen a, a trucker get pulled over for that. All right. We'll keep screaming for the mountaintops. There needs to be changed. Uh, Justin, we appreciate it. 5709000 is the number of Battleborn Injury Lawyers. Thank you. Extended spot. We do appreciate it. Have a good weekend. All right. Thanks, guys. Go Knights. Live from the Battleborn Broadcast Center. Coming up in about 20 minutes, we're going to talk to uh, Caleb Herring and get his take on the UNLV quarterback battle. We got to hear from all three guys yesterday at the beginning of spring practice. Call Battleborn Injury Lawyers, 702-570-9000, with your questions today.